The new Republican health care bill has met with a wide range of reactions, from anger and hatred on one side of the aisle to hatred and anger on the other side of the aisle because you're looking at it from a different direction. The two sides have taken their usual approach to swaying public opinion. Republican supporters of the bill have attempted to explain it by pointing at charts and droning incomprehensibly, while Democrat opponents have shown videos of sick children crying, please, President Trump, don't kill us will be good. Meanwhile, the amendment process has begun with House Republicans offering such amendments as your ideas suck, I hope you die, and change this provision or I'll rip your ears off. A GOP spokesman says he's sure the bill will have enough votes to pass after all the people who oppose it are killed in the melee. But with all the hatred and anger over the bill, does anyone really understand it? <laughs> of course not. Americans are busy people and need to get right to the hatred and anger to save time. So today, as a public service, we here at The Andrew Clavin Show would like to provide this quick guide to understanding the new health care bill. Under Obamacare, people who couldn't afford health, health insurance were given subsidies that were financed by dragging young people from their homes, holding them off the roof by their ankles, and telling them to buy an elaborate insurance plan they didn't need before they fell off the roof and needed the plan. When this provision was challenged in the Supreme Court, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote, quote, forcing people to buy insurance is constitutional, or maybe not exactly constitutional, but whatever, leave me alone, unquote. Under the new plan, people will still receive subsidies, but they will be paid for by <laughs> winding a crank until the boot kicks over a bucket, spilling a metal ball down a flight of stairs, causing a larger ball to fall through a water <laughs> hitting a seesaw, which hurls a diver into an empty basin, jarring a cage that drops down onto a plastic mouse to win the game. The New York Times, a former newspaper, assembled a bipartisan committee to study the effects of the bill. It should be noticed that at the Times, a bipartisan committee means a committee of Democrats who have sex with both men and women. The Times committee determined <laughs> the Times committee determined that the bill will break into the homes of minorities and slaughter them in their beds, and that Donald Trump stinks and they hate him so very, very much that every article in the paper should be about how much they hate him, which is very much. The committee further found that having sex with both men and women wasn't actually as much fun as it sounded. As the debate rages on, true conservatives like Ted Cruz and Louis Gohmert are working quietly behind the scenes to amend the bill so that anyone responsible for passing Obamacare in the first place will be forced to receive free government health care until they beg for mercy. That might not solve anything, but the revenge would be sweet. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. <laughs> Hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-dee. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a pity zing It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. All right, that's back to zero on the cracking up during the openings uh, chart. Uh, 
best-selling super troll Michael Knowles has deigned <laughs> has deigned to visit us. It's come down. It's come down from his uh, round the world book tour of his blank book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, and uh, will be joining us. Uh, that will be after the break. So if you're on Facebook or YouTube, you'll have to come over to thedailywire.com. And while you're there, why not subscribe for a lousy eight bucks a month, and we'll send you a copy. We still sending them the Arroyo? Yeah. Ah, you lucky bums. God, that, you know, we'll send you a copy of Jeremy Boring's The Arroyo. He was in the L.A. Times. Jeremy and I were both in the L.A. Times cursing at Hollywood yesterday to make sure our careers wouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> we just wanted to make sure. Was there still somebody who's considering any of our projects? This will put a nail in that coffin. Before we start, however, talking uh, today, I want you to d- do me a favor. Go in to the go to the nearest mirror. Look in the mirror. Look at that person looking back at you and ask yourself, do you want that person driving a car? Of course you don't. It's a ton and a half of screaming steel traveling down the highway. You want someone responsible and intelligent driving that car. That covers none of my audiences, I know. So why don't you get a Lyft app, L-Y-F-T. All you got to do, press the button within an average of about three and a half minutes, a driver who has been vetted a hundred gazillion times will show up. You get non-creeps. They are uh, good people who drive the cars, and they can, you can tip them in the app, so they're happier than it's some of the other rideshare uh, you know plans. So you can get home if you had a couple of drinks. You know, you can stay off the road. If you just don't want to be bothered with the traffic, I mean, we live in L.A. here, so everybody uses a rideshare, and the Lyft is the great one. So right now... Just because we like you, we are offering our listeners a special deal. You get three free re- free rides up to 10 bucks each. That's up to a $30 value when you go on the Lyft app and you enter the promo code CLAVEN. What the? Oh, that's me. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. K-L-A-V-A-N. Enter the promo code. You will get three free Lyft rides. You just download the free Lyft app today and enter the promo code CLAVEN in the payment section, and you'll start with three free rides up to $10 each. That's up to a $30 value. Promo code CLAVEN, K-L-A-V-A-N, Lyft. It is the best way to get home. All right. It was barely a Clavenless weekend. I was in the, you know, in the L.A. Times. I wrote my piece down. If you were listening last week, as I know you must have been uh, and heard me talk about Logan, I wrote that down as an article on PJ Media and the director of the movie got in touch with me and said he really liked uh, the piece. So that was nice. Let's talk briefly before we get to Super Troll Michael Knowles. Uh, Let us talk briefly about what is happening in our government. Uh, Donald Trump, you know, here's, here's the way I see things, and it's a little different than the way other people see it, but Donald Trump has won the first round against the media, which means the first round against the Democrats, because the media is are the Democrats. You know, it, when you talk about the mainstream media, talk about the networks, the Times, the Washington Post, CNN, you're talking about Democrat news for Democrats, about Democrats, with a Democrat slant. That's what you're talking about. When Trump won, remember that day, that day, everybody was sitting around going, well, here comes Hillary Clinton. You know, everything that Obama did is going to be nailed down. All his executive orders are going to become laws. Everything is going to be another four years of this stuff. And, you know, the uh, First Amendment needs to be rewritten. Second Amendment needs to be crossed out. All this stuff was coming down the pike. Suddenly, bang, gone, right? The Democrats panicked. And when I say the Democrats panicked, I mean ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, you know, the Times and the Post. They panicked. They created this incredible cloud of nonsense, right? This 
onslaught, a barrage of fake scandals. Oh, and Trump's a Russian spy, and he's this and this, that. It's all not, this has never happened before. It's the worst thing. Remember, not just one, but at least two major commentators said, this is the worst thing since 9-11. It's the worst thing since Pearl Harbor. Trump has scattered their armies to the wind. Two major events that really were the turning points. The first was that press conference he gave where he just laid into them. They came in, if you remember, if you go back, the day before that press conference, it was Michael Flynn resigns, Trump's a Russian spy, the Russians have taken over the government. The day before, the day after that press conference is, he yelled at us and now we're unhappy and it's the First Amendment. You know, it was like a complete, complete turnaround. And, you know, and, and the right after that, came the, uh, shortly after that came the speech to the joint session of Congress, the kind of faux uh, State of the Union address. Once again, they were building up that Russian spy thing. And you know, if you don't, if you never talk to the Democrats, you don't know this. If you were just reading about this, you're thinking this is the stupidest story ever. It doesn't make any sense. There's no proof. The the James Clapper investigated. Jim Clapper's a partisan. He was the director of intelligence under Obama. He investigated. He said there's no evidence of this whatsoever, no evidence of collusion with the Trump campaign. That was on January 20th when he stepped down. He said that there's no evidence of collusion. Still, they're running with this. They're into the Associated Press. So help me, this is true. The Associated Press was interviewing spy novelists. You know, does this sound real to you? Yes, I make up fake stories for a living, and it sounds exactly like one of my stories. So now all they're left with are these fake scandals. They've got this thing where Jeff Sessions, as all the presidents do now, they asked everybody, all the prosecutors in the Justice Department to resign. One of them, Preet Bharara from Manhattan, He actually refused, which you do not do. You serve at the pleasure of the president. When the president is finished with you, you are gone. He refused. He had to be fired. Oh, what a scandal. What a scandal. You know, immediately, immediately, social media just dispels this by showing they show when Obama did it, it was he replaces you know, attorneys, when Trump did it, it was he ousts them. He ousts them. Remember, they made such a big fuss when Bush, W. Bush, I think, fired seven, eight of them, something like that. They were guys that he appointed. This is a typical thing where they get rid of the other guys, people, and they bring in their own people to prosecute things they want to. There's there's now a fake scandal about Steve King made some tweet uh, about how you can't, we can't increase our population using other people's babies, and now he's a racist and it's all this stuff. All of this is being destroyed. And you know what Brian Stelter, the great Trump hysteric, is talking about now? He's talking about the fact that Trump is ignoring the press. And if you watch, this is true. Two things have happened recently. Trump is no longer listening to shouted questions from the press, one. And the other is he's not tweeting. He's not sending out those six in the morning tweets. And you can think to yourself, well, somebody's got his phone. Somebody's told him he's got to rein it in. I don't think that's it. I think he knows he's won this round. They'll come back. You know, the Democrats, Democrats are like a guy with herpes, you know, first they screw you and then you can't get rid of the results. You know, that's like the Democrats are not done. They're not done. They will be back. But Brian Stelter is now complaining about this and he's got on Baltimore Sun media critic David Zorowick and Zorowick points out that Trump has done nothing to these guys. And why would he talk to them? Why would he talk to them? Listen to this. If I was him right now and I looked at this, I'd say, hey, look. Every time we engage the press, we are attacked. We're shredded. 
let's let the press go on its own for a while and see how they like it. You, why, why engage at that level if we're going to get pounded? I mean, that's a reasonable thing for him to say. And you know this thing, Brian, when we say, oh, he's the, he's the worst war on the press ever. You know, I wrote about that last week. It's not the worst yeah. war on the press. He hasn't even done what Obama's done. It might be that, but not yet. So You're talking you know, about actions, him, not words. We've not had a living president called the media the enemy of the American people before. Well, actions are what matter, isn't it, in this world? When somebody names a reporter an aider and a better and a co-conspirator, as President Obama did in getting a subpoena on James Rosen, that's a lot worse. Or when they chase James, when they threaten James Risen from the New York Times for six mm -hmm. years with jail, that's a lot worse than calling him an enemy of the people. And look, it is bad. It's awful. I wouldn't <laughs> defend that, and I wouldn't defend anything Trump does. But words are not actions like that, Brian. See, that's, there's a guy, he's not a Trump supporter, but everybody gets it now. Everybody gets it. And the thing is, we beat them on social media and Trump beat them. Trump beat them by just going at them and just telling the truth, just saying it's fake news. And it's not fake news because every story is untrue. It's fake news because every story is slanted toward the Democrats. All right, so Trump is really riding high right now as, in terms of the narrative. And the other thing is, well, before I get to that, the, the Democrats are in disarray. Roger Altman, a guy who's been in, who's worked in, I think, nine Democrat presidential campaigns, something like that. He writes today that the Democrats are completely scattered and are completely deluded. In the Wall Street Journal, he writes, President Trump's chaotic beginning has many Democrats envisioning a big comeback. They see the marches and protests and presidential tweets and expect newly energized Americans to vote blue in droves. But these hopes mask the decrepit state of the Democratic Party at all levels of government. A true Democratic comeback will be impossible without top-to-bottom changes. The GOP is in one of its strongest positions since its founding in 1850. Republicans control the House, the Senate, and the presidency, but much of governing in America is done at the state and local levels where education, infrastructure, voting, and gun rights are primarily determined. There, the GOP is even more dom dominant. Republicans have 33 governorships and more than two-thirds of state legislative chambers. That the Democrats have allowed this domination borders on gross negligence. It borders, it borders on Obamaism. It is Obama. Obama has destroyed this party, and Trump is riding high. And now we're all talking about the health care bill, which is the big news, the arguments over the health care bill. This is also a victory for Trump. And here's here's the reason it's a victory for Trump. We're now what we're talking about now is normal. Remember, all the the press kept saying, all the media and the Democrats kept saying is don't normalize Donald Trump. He be normalized. It's, that fight is over. Trump won. We're talk, all the stuff we're talking about, the arguments, the back and forth, the conservative wing doesn't like it, the Democrats don't like it, they're arguing we won't pass it, we will pass it. I'm going to, you know, Trump is now threatening to primary people if they don't support it. All of this stuff is the way that laws get made in the country. It is governing. And so now Trump is governing and the press is still debating whether he's being nice to them or not. That's what the press is reporting. He's, he's so mean to us, you know. So this, this is important stuff. You know, Bill Clinton, a perfect exchange went on between Bill Clinton and Nigel Farage on, on the air that kind of sh showed where this thing is going. But I can't get to it until I say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come over to thedailywire.com. We will be interviewing. I don't know how we managed to get him, but we have booked Michael Knowles on this program, and he'll be here in just a little while. So here's Bill Clinton describing what has happened and, and how Trump 
Trump and Trumpism is going to destroy the world. People who claim to want the nation state are actually trying to have a pan-national movement to institutionalize separatism and division within national borders all over the world. Somehow or another, we have to find a way to bring simple, personal decency and trust back to our politics. We're going to live in an us and them world or a world that we make together. Uh, is it going to be one set of rules for us and another set for everybody else? Are we going to find a way to live through the same rules? If you got that, in every age and time, eventually, the challenges we face can be resolved in a way that keeps us going forward instead of taking it to the edge of our own destruction. Okay, it's the edge of our own destruction if we lose the our nation states if, if we don't lose our nation states and become one big world where the rules are the same for everybody, right? The rules have got to be the same for Saudi Arabia as they are for us. Why should, you know, if we have nuclear weapons, they can have nuclear weapons. If we have, you know, if we have power in the UN, they can have power in the UN. Why not? It's all going to be run by the great brain trust at the top. And they're all going to tell us what to do. And we don't need these voting, this voting stuff. We just need these experts. In, and the problem that Bill Clinton has is that the experts turned out to be dopes. The experts turned out to be dopes. They turned out to panic over, you know, global warming so they could get more power. They turned out to want to tell us who can use our bathrooms in our local schools. They turned out to uh, open the gates of our countries and allow people in who hate us and want to destroy us and who hate everything about us. And it's not because of the color of their skin and it's not because of their race. It's because their ideas are antithetical to Western ideas. So here's Nigel Farage. Not I'm not a big fan of Nigel Farage, but he was the leader of the Brexit movement and he tells it to Bill Clinton exactly as it is. Look, uh, Bill Clinton, Tony Blair and all those politicians, what they tried to do was to give away the ability of nation states to make their own laws and have their own democracies. They wanted to sign us up to forms of global government. And what happened in 2016 uh, with Brexit, with Trump's victory, is that that world, the world that Bill Clinton tried to build, has just come crashing mm -hmm. down, I am pleased to say. And he doesn't like it. And I would say this to uh, Bill Clinton, you know, actually, we're the ones on our side of the argument. We believe in democracy. We believe in the value of the nation state. We believe in being good neighbors with as many countries in the world as we possibly can do. Uh, and it might be better if people like Clinton and Blair stop moaning and recognize that the world has changed. So Trump is winning and Trump's vision is winning, but is this good for us? When I say us, I mean conservative people who want the government to be small so that we can be free. And this is the question that's come up with this health care plan. And I want people to understand, because some people were yelling at me because I said that I thought it would be a better thing for there to be a health care plan that had stuff in it I didn't like than for this health care plan to go down in flames. And I want to explain why I say that, because I'm a far right winger on these issues, okay? There's no there's no daylight. I mean, if it were up to me, there would be no health care, government health care plan. There would simply be a rule that doctors can't kill you and there would be some kind of, uh, you know, provision made for the poor. And that would be it. And everything else would be it. free markets, open choices. You make your choices. You make stupid choices. You pay the price. That's me. OK. Why do I not think we're going to get that? Because and, you know, by the way, 
this was on this show before it was anywhere else. As I kept explaining to people for, for more than a year, uh, the pre-existing condition clause is government health care. There's no way around that because that's not insurance. That's just forcing people to pay for somebody else's illness. That's what it is. That's not insurance. So some of the stuff, I'm not sure what this bill is going to look like at the end. I'm, I don't think anybody is. There's a lot of negotiating going on. But why do I think it's important to get a bill? I want you to think back to Bill Clinton's presidency. Bill Clinton got elected. The first thing he did is he came out, he said, well, there have to be gays in the military. And I remember looking at that and thinking, that's what you're going to spend your honeymoon you know, power on? Like, I mean, I don't care whether they're gays in the military, but who cares? You know? And that ended up as don't ask, don't tell, which was just a kind of a mess. So he wasted that. Then there was Hillary care. Remember, Hillary built this whole thing up and it just came crashing down. Newt Gingrich said to her, don't do it. You know, if you want to make some reforms, make small reforms. Americans don't like these big things. She did it anyway. It came crashing down. It didn't get anywhere. And Clinton lost the Congress in the midterms. And that's when we started to hear from Bill Clinton, oh, the era of big government is over. Okay, why do I want this bill, a form of this bill to pass? I hope it is made as conservative as we can get. I don't think it's going to be as conservative as, as we like, certainly not as conservative as I like. But if this bill comes crashing down, we, meaning the Republicans, are going to lose the Congress. Trump is not by nature, a conservative. If we lose the the same thing that happened with Clinton, everything Clinton did after that first midterm was conservative, right? He reformed welfare off Newt Gingrich's bat. He had the uh, Defensive Marriage Act. He had uh, the crime bill, this intense crime bill. I mean, Clinton at home was a conservative president, right? If Trump loses the Senate and it becomes a Democrat Senate, we are going to have liberal Trump. And then Ben Shapiro can get rid of his good Trump sign because it ain't going to matter anymore. It is only having to work with this Republican Congress and the love he gets from the right that is keeping Trump on our side to get us the stuff that some of the stuff that we want. So I'm rooting for some version of the bill to pass for purely political reasons. All right, that's what I had to say. And now I'm so honored and delighted to have the man who has dominated the Amazon.com bestseller list. Number one for how long has it been number one? It's now been number one for uh, four days, I think, four or five days. Reasons to vote for Democrats, which I think debuted on this show. It I'm, did, I'm honored to say, and it's a completely empty book because it's reasons to vote for Democrats. And I think I have to pause here for a moment to say, on the show, we have repeatedly given you, we've given you a couple of Nobel Prizes, mm, the yeah. Oscar and the Pulitzer. That's but it's right. now, this time, it is my honor to present to you directly from our show to you the Troll of the Year Award. Oh. The, my, can we have a picture of this, please? Oh, can my you? gosh. I- <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. I, uh, do, we, do we have this on camera? I just uh, okay. So this is the troll of the year. Wow. I know this is going to go in your um, probably be framed in your wastebasket. Uh, <laughs> you know, you win a couple Oscars, you win a Nobel. That's all nice. Yeah, I know, but, but the troll, the trolley. It's, it's all been leading to this. It's all been leading to this. So let me. I, I actually want to be semi-serious here, yeah. or serious as you and I are capable of being. Yeah. What What has this been like? You. This is this is undoubtedly the biggest troll since Trump went after uh, Obama's birth certificate. If I trolled any harder, I would be the president right now. <laughs> that is true. This is right below that. I mean, you, you have, you're number one bestseller for, for days now, right? For day, Yeah, almost a week now. It's been the number one bestseller. We have sold 
several multiples of the copies required to make the New York Times bestseller list. Oh. We'll, we'll see if they yeah, do the I right thing, that. New York Times. Do the right thing. <laughs> I'm sure they're watching. I'm sure they're playing. They love, they love the show That's at the right. New York Times. Uh, how, can I ask how many copies you have sold? The last I checked, I don't have updated numbers. Okay. I only get them every couple days. Yeah. But we've, we've sold over 60,000 copies that is of this unbelievable. book. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I mean, people, you know, those of us who actually bleed onto the page to create <laughs> and make our words and our blood. You know, 60,000. I mean, I've had books that have sold that much, but like that's, you know, that's a big, big success. The, the difference, of course, is that you are an author. <laughs> you, are, you are a writer. But I mean, how do it's got to it's got to be. I, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. So it's got to be a thrill that you're in all these. You're in the, the BBC cover. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Her Majesty the Queen may have heard of my fake book. Which and there no, tickles and me there are to reasons no to vote for Democrats in my <laughs> I mean, that, that, it has got to be kind of thrilling, right? It, it is unbelievably thrilling. It, it is overwhelming. And, and it's actually sort of given me it was it was really, really funny up to 500 copies. Uh -huh. It was it was shocking and funny up to about 5000 copies. And after that, it actually made me think about this culture that we're in, where this book could do so well, and what it means for the right, what it means for the exuberance on the right, what it means for the state of the country and of politics. And and, and, and the sense of comedy on the right. And the we, sense we of do, comedy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do want to say, just put forward this one narrative, that you were living with a woman in sin. Yes. You came, you came over to my house, and we smoked a cigar, and you said you were going to propose, and a rainbow crossed the sky. This is absolutely true, right? A rainbow this is no the joke. Sky. It you, was the most vivid double rainbow I've ever seen. Amazing Amazing rainbow is to celebrate God, celebrating the fact that you were had making an honest woman out of your beautiful, beautiful fiance, and now He's given you a bestseller to reward you. I think yeah, a house, yeah, he's in a house. house. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so God works in very, very mysterious ways. I, I always like to think, Drew. You know, in the old days, back when everyone believed in God, you know, He would He would sort of whisper in your ear, He'd yeah. say, "Drew." And now we're so we're such dolts in the set. He's like, "Michael, you idiot! What are you doing? Come on!" There's still small voice isn't working yeah. anymore. So, you know, we actually, on the right, I mean, we complain about the culture all the time and the and Hollywood and the movies and all this stuff, but we kind of dominate the internet, don't we? We do. We are, uh, someone asked why this is doing so yeah. well, and there are like five or six Democrat copycats out there and they've sold about half of a copy That's so combined, amazing. I think. You and know? Amazon, Amazon dropped it for a while, didn't they? Amazon dropped, I was, so th this was unbelievable. I'll, I won't make any accusations, I'll just tell you how things happened very briefly. I uh, flew into Florida for a wedding. I went to the Fox studio in Fort Lauderdale to go on Fox and Friends and talk about <laughs> yeah. this crazy experience. My book was number one on Amazon. By the time I was off of Fox and Friends, it was unavailable on Amazon. Wow. wow. Now, I called the publisher, which is owned by Amazon, and Amazon. I couldn't get a straight answer. They're telling me they'll check back. They'll see. It's really hard. Uh, about an hour later, while I was still on the phone, I, I said that this is an outrage. I threatened to go to the press about it because it seemed like it was politically motivated. I hung up the phone. Minutes later, it was back wow. on the website. Wow. Wow. So, Make so of that is, what you will. This is like they, they're copying you mm -hmm. and they're censoring you. So pretending to be Republicans and censoring people is what Democrats do, right? That's, That's right. right. <laughs> that is. <laughs> but why? Why is it? Why are we so good? I mean, we. I. I have to admit, I've always kind of. I get disgruntled with conservatives about the culture because they don't seem to care, and they. You know, I'm not going to the movies. I'm never. Which yeah. means that a conservative movie maker can't make a dime because they're not 
that audience isn't there. But why are we so good at this? I think it's because we've been shut out of all the, of the mainstream <laughs> media outlets. Okay. We've been we've been totally shut out from uh, you know TV, the mainstream news media. Uh, talk radio, I suppose we still have. So all of this talent, all of this really creative talent, and all of these really smart people can go online and express their creativity yeah. and their intelligence. And the way that you can tell this is, first of all, all the Democrat copycats don't get the joke. They actually are using uh -huh. the book to mock conservative it, it, in a sort of mean and uh, attacking way. That, that isn't the point of the book. That isn't why it's funny. But look at the reviews. There are uh, like 1,500 reviews on Amazon of our book, and they're so clever. I mean, they're just really reading the well reviews alone, they're too. so yeah. funny. Yeah. And just none of that exists. It's yeah. actually our guys going to their fake books and just writing things like sad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the, the left it always flatters itself that we're not, I always say conservatives aren't funny because leftists have no sense of humor that's about right. themselves. That's why they're not funny. But, but the fact is, you know, it's like when, when they used to not allow blacks to be managers of baseball teams. Yeah. And they... Then they did allow them, but there were no black managers of baseball teams. And everybody said, well, you know, people actually said this on air. You know, yeah. well, blacks just don't have that capacity. They don't have that. And yeah, you, you lock the door on people for 100 years, and then you suddenly pull the door open and nobody's standing there. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they haven't been prepared for that moment when you actually stopped keeping them out. And we've been so, we really have been blacklisted, uh, or at least graylisted from yeah. the creative arts. And so that that makes it a good reason. To, we're just there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there's also a, a great thing, I think, about this book, which is that it allows conservatives, I think, generally tend to be funnier. I know this is yes. you wouldn't know it if you watched Comedy Central. These yeah. conservatives aren't allowed within 200 feet of the building. Yeah, but, they, but they're not funny either. So. But they're not funny. Yeah. I mean, by the way, this book is trouncing Trevor Noah's book. In the, I mean, it is trouncing his book. Uh, it feels so good. Yeah. But, you know, the uh, what I really like about it is that the whole use of this book is to go and you buy like 10 copies and you give it to your lefty aunt and your Democrat friend and you're giving it to them and it's a little poke. It's not, there's nothing mean about it. You're saying there's no reason to vote for Democrats, but you're not saying they're evil people or, you know, terrible people or something. Yeah. And uh, I think there's that, this is something that President Trump has shown us, that having a good sense of humor uh, is a tremendously powerful political tool and it's, yeah. and it's sorely lacking in the culture today. No question. And, you know, let, let me ask you this. Though you know, Shapiro has made these, I, I think, fairly uh, cogent arguments about about the, the moral hazard of this. That, yeah. that if we live in a world that's all trolling, that's post-truth, you know, I I, I, th I think he's seeing something real. I mean, you know, sometimes sometimes you can worry too much about things that might come down the pike, but he is seeing something real. There's something there is something disturbing even to me. I mean, I think he did a great job, and I'm, I really am delighted by the whole thing. But there's something disturbing seeing a blank book at the top of the bestseller <laughs> list. It, it does seem this kind of symbolic. You know, kind of, uh, of course. I statement. Mean, yeah, I think the book, like a lot of the Trump campaign, is an expression of the culture. I don't think yeah. it's created the culture. Certainly, <laughs> I do think it's an expression of it. And uh, there's a moral hazard there because we're in a morally hazardous culture. So, of course, right. you know, right. um, conservatives uh, were always talking about how the end is near, and you know, the culture has been dead since World War One, and we we're living in decadent times. All of that might be true, but you know, w one thing I think the the book makes, it's an important point, is that I've gone to all of these protests and marches for your show, and I've okay. covered all of them, and those protesters do not use language on the left. Mm -hmm. They don't have any uh, cogent 
not only argument that they're making, they're not even using cogent language. So it's just four-letter epithets: f this, f Trump, f Pence. And because there's no, because there's, they're in a post-verbal moment at this point. I think that this is an old gag. This gag's been around in America since the 1880 presidential election. But I think it says something really true about their party right now. And we are also in an exuberant moment on the right. And I think we're just capitalizing yeah. on that and living on that. You know that Brian Stelter thing was actually an amazing thing where he said where the, the guy was saying to him, uh, Obama was much worse with the press. And Stelter said, yes, but those were actions, not words. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, I'm sorry. You know, it's funny. I, I talked to an old friend of mine who actually is going to these marches, uh, these protests in New York. And I said, what are you protesting? And he actually did not have an answer. That's right. I said, what exactly are you wow. protesting? Yeah. So, so the book, even though the book is empty, it actually does contain a statement. <laughs> That's why it's selling. Yeah. I mean, that is, this yeah. is not a new joke. There was, uh, no, really. in the 1880 presidential election, the GOP ticket, which was James Garfield and Chester Arthur, released a book about their opponent called A Record of the Statesmanship <laughs> and Political Achievements of General Winfield Scott Hancock. And paper was more expensive back then, so yeah. it was only about four pages long, right. but not 270. But it's an old joke. The question is, why is it resonating now? And I think uh, part of it is our culture, and a, and a large part of it is that the book is absolutely right about the state of the Democratic Party. Unbelievable. It really a great, a great joke. I mean, <laughs> the best joke. We're proud of you. You're the troll of the year. I'm so honored. Thank you. The best award yet. <laughs> and we'll see you again next Monday. Michael Knowles, Super Troll, best-selling Super Troll. It's like, it's, that should be like a, a rap song or something. Yeah, super yeah. Troll. Or something. All right. Stuff I Like. This week on Stuff I Like, I'm going to talk about three movies that, uh, that are recent movies that are basically supposed to be left-wing movies about mostly about black people that are right-wing movies. And the reason this is true is because you cannot tell a true left-wing story because leftism really is not true. Nothing in leftism is true. All true stories, all good stories, ultimately are conservative. But there's a way that the left gets around this. And if I can, I'm, I have to travel at the end of the week. I'm going to Washington, D.C. for this National Review Ideas Summit. I don't know why they asked me. I was like, I said, do I have to bring ideas? I don't, you know. <laughs> but, but I'm going to this National Review Ideas Summit. Uh, we will, we're going to do the show on Friday. Is that what we'll do? I think I don't know. I think that's what. So anyway, I hope to talk about how the left gets around the fact that the good stories have to be true stories in order to tell false stories. However, there's a movie out that is just really uh, very successful and it's really good. It's a movie by Jordan Peele of Key and Peele. What a talented pair of guys! Those are Jordan Peele. It's a. It's called Get Out, and it's basically about a black guy and a white girl having a relationship and they go home to her parents and horror ensues. It's a horror movie. It's a satirical horror movie on the order of It Follows, basically. And it, and it is really well written, wonderfully acted. Allison, um, what's her name? Allison Williams. She's Brian Williams' uh, daughter. So she comes from a family of people who pretend to be things they're not. Uh, <laughs> she's just doing it honestly by being an actress. But she is the one talented person, I thought, on Girls. You know, she, she did that Peter Pan live thing, which I thought she was a little overwhelmed by. But in this, she really does a good job, plays this part absolutely perfectly. Here's the scene where they go home to meet her father and mother, and the father obviously embarrasses her. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> how long? <laughs> Four months. Four months. 
Mm. Uh, five months, actually. She's right. I'm wrong. Attaboy. Better get used to saying that. <laughs> I, please. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. She's right. I'm wrong. <laughs> See? Does he have an off button? No. This is exhausting. I know. I want to give you a tour. Can you, like, go. unpack first? You want to unpack? Before the tour? So that's, uh, what's his name? Daniel Kal- Kaluuya. Now, I've seen him. He was in one other thing that I've seen. Uh, Black Mirror. Black Mi- he was in Black Mirror? He was in the... The racing one. Yeah, the bike one. Yes, that's right, that's right. And he was also in, he was also had a, a secondary, tertiary role in some other movie. Really good. He's really charming, very likable. And of course, you know, horror films depend on the hero being incredibly likable, so you worry about him all the time. But the thing about this is, is he walks into this thing and everybody's saying, oh, this is about the white, black man in a white space. And, and of course, there are a lot of evil white people, evil white people hunting down the black guy and all this stuff. But they're all all Democrats. And it is emphasized. They are all Democrats. These are all liberals. And they all can't, they all embarrass him, but they embarrass him by fawning over him. You know, they don't embarrass him by saying, you know, I don't like black people. They embarrass him by, by actually overstating his virtues. And so I tweeted out <laughs> this week, a really good movie. And it is, it's a wonderful horror movie, right? It's, it's one in this new system of these new, uh, this, this trend of these new intelligent horror movies, like it follows the witch. And uh, there's another one, oh, uh, the Babadook. I didn't like that one so much, but it's still a very intelligent film. And they, that they have a uh, theme, an open theme, and it has a theme. And I've tweeted out that the theme of this is black guys stay away from Democrats. <laughs> Watch out for those Democrats. Now that is not what they intend to say, but it's because they don't know, because these guys don't hang out with any conservatives, that they don't know that if they hung out with conservatives, we would treat them much better because we don't care about their blackness. Their blackness means nothing to us. We actually care about the state of their, who they are and what they do. So it actually is a movie meant to be a left-wing attack on white people, sort of make white people uncomfortable, but it's really an attack only on left-wing Democrats because that's all they know. That is all they know. Really good movie. Worth saying get out. All right, that's the show. We'll be back again tomorrow. We are here Tuesday and Wednesday, and I think we're going to do Friday. This is, uh, I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show, and we will be back again tomorrow.